Before we start today's episode, I wanted to let you all know that Quiet Connection is now on Patreon. With three membership options to choose from, you can expect things like ad-free listening, bonus episodes, and goodies in the mail once a month. Check out our Patreon site or our website to sign up. And thanks for helping us continue to create content and spread awareness about postpartum mental health. Hi, welcome to Quiet Connection, a podcast dedicated to ending the stigma around postpartum mental health. I'm Chelsea. Today, I'm chatting with Lilac, whose mental health journey began long before becoming a parent. She gives us a raw and intimate look into how she has weathered the storm and evolved alongside her partner. Let's hear from Lilac. Hello. Today, I'm here with Lilac. How are you, Lilac? I'm medium. You're medium. Yeah, that's how I'm doing. Yep. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. That's kind of our, our baseline, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's really good to see you. I met you through a music class with our kiddos. Yeah. Yeah. How old is your little one now? He's just about seven and a half months. I can't believe that. It's so crazy. The time really does fly. <laughs> It, it's it's slow in the moment, but then when you look back, you're like, where did it go? Yeah. Like when yeah. I try to remember all the things that have happened in seven months, there's too many. Yeah. But then when I like think back about birth, I'm like, that was literally yesterday. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's weird. craziness. Yeah. Crazy town. <laughs> so something I ask all of my guests is why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you were before you were a mom? Yeah. <laughs> Let's try to remember. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I'm Lilac. My son's name is Ira. And I, before giving birth, was a nanny for about five years. Um, I worked mostly with infants and I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was really kind of my passion, I thought, maybe. And then I had my own child and then I'm like, oh, maybe I just really like motherhood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the difference between a baby that you nanny and a baby that you like have is actually not as big as you'd think. Mm. Like you end up loving those kids like your own. So Mm -hmm. that was a lot of my life before was just like being young and newly graduated from college. And, um, in college I studied linguistics and sign language, which was really fun. And, um, I got to have a lot of really cool experiences with that. And I met a lot of really cool people and, yeah, I met my my husband at UVM. That's where we both went. And he studied anthropology. So we had some overlapping classes, which was really fun. Yeah, I really like to sing. I really like to read. I really like to write. Um, I'm like a big bullet journal girly. Mm. And I'm trying to get into that post-birth. It's hard to like write in a planner after you've had a baby. I don't know why, yeah. but it's yeah. like impossible. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I just... I like to be creative. I like to, I'm like a big movie buff, which I kind of feel bad about for my child because I'm like, you are going to have to watch a lot of movies. Sorry about that. What kind time. of movies? What kind of movies? All kinds. Um, my dad was like a big movie buff. Um, so I grew up like when I was nine was the first time I ever watched uh, The Crows, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh my movie. gosh. Yeah. So I've just like always been like watching the adult movies. Like I watched The Truman Show for the first time when I was like six years old. Like all those oh crazy. God. I know. It's like so ridiculous. My mom brought me to go see The Devil Wears Prada when I was eight. Like just all like so the very first movie I ever saw was the Rocky Horror Picture Show ever. I was like 
18 I months old. I still haven't seen that movie. Well, I know. <laughs> that movie is like the definition of camp. Like it is such a cult classic. You have I know. To. They used to do, they used to do like an actual event at my college. Yeah. And I still, I, I didn't go. I never went. And I always wanted to. It's, yeah. I mean, it is really, that's like a lifestyle. You gotta try. Get okay. dressed up in like your, all your funky, crazy stuff. And um, yeah, so much fun. I like everything. I, I like drama. I like comedy. I like, I like feeling something, you know, mm. a little bit outside myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so that's, and my seven month old already watches movies. I feel a little bit bad about that, but I'm like, it's screen time with a good cause. We're watching yeah, it together. Yeah. It's family time. <laughs> Don't feel guilty about yeah. it. My, my one-year-old has been watching Gilmore Girls with me since she was very little. I restarted it and now she dances every time the theme song comes on. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're like, you know what time it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I love no. that. No, Gil. I'm, I'm all for uh, family screen time. <laughs> Good. I'm not yeah. the only one. No, Thank goodness. You most definitely are not. <laughs> um, you mentioned some of the things that you like to do. You like to sing. You like to create. Yeah. Are those the things that you feel like fill your cup? Are those the things that bring you sort of joy? Yeah. Um, I think maybe in the past I would have said that also like spending time with my friends was also part of that list. But I think as I get older, um, like the things that really fill my cup are the things that I can like do sort of in solitude, but not mm-hmm. like in a sad way, <laughs> like just like a like beautiful, like studio cabin in the woods way. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to yes. feel like alone and listen to rain sounds and paint or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I, that was already kind of coming on before I had a baby. And now like it has definitely like that feeling has grown since having a baby. Like now I'm like, Oh, you know what would feel like vacation? 20 minutes alone. Yes. (laughs) I think I mentioned, I think I mentioned this in another episode, but like, I don't know if you're a bluey household yet. He's a little young, but okay. Okay. (laughs) But like chilly when she's like, I just need 20 minutes where no one is touching me. And I'm like, I feel that so deeply. Yep. Oh my gosh. And it starts with pregnancy too. I was just telling someone like when your baby has hiccups in utero, I'm like somehow touched out from the inside. Like, mm-hmm. please just leave me alone. I love you. <laughs> but oh my God, how do I remove this from my body? Like, please stop. Yeah. You're like, this yeah. is so cute, but please stop. <laughs> yeah. So did you always sort of picture yourself as a mom? Was that something that was always part of the plan? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, I think there was like a small period when I was a teenager where everyone's kind of like, I'm going to be an independent woman and nobody's going to, you know, (laughs) slow me down. But, um, but yeah, I definitely have always wanted to be a mom. It's definitely always been part of the plan. I don't know that I ever thought that I was going to be a mom at 25, but like I thought it maybe would be later, but no complaints. Is it sort of living up to what your expectations were? That's a hard question. Yeah. I think not to like jump into my like mental health struggles, but I think Oh my god, do it. A lot of my postpartum struggles, like my ongoing postpartum struggles have come from this like being so shocked that 
we were able to successfully get pregnant and then that it was like working and then that it was like going well and there was no problems and everything was looking that like by the time he was born, I felt like so almost dissociated from him. Like Hmm. that feeling has sort of lasted. Like I feel so, it feels so unreal and so good that I almost can't connect with it because I never expected it to be like this. I never expected it to be this good and this easy. And that comes from like my mom having a series of miscarriages when I was a little kid that I was privy to. So then by the time I was getting pregnant, my assumption was that like my first pregnancy would be a miscarriage and there would be no way that like all of this went well. And so yes, it's living up to like the parts of it that are him being just the most beautiful, special being in my life. Like the easiest part of my life. I always look at him and I'm like, ah, you know, Ira, you are the joy of my lifetime. And it sounds (laughs) so like woo woo, but it really is like, he really is. But then there's this other piece of it. That's like, I didn't expect it to be this taxing to Mm. my mental health. And I also didn't expect to like feel still at seven months, like a weird disconnect where I'm like, I still can't believe this is real. Like you almost, almost waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. By the time he was born, I was like, okay, well, so he got here safely, but now surely something else is going to happen. Like we're going to have a Sid scare or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then just the other shoe has never dropped. Like he's still just perfect. (laughs) So so, hard question to answer because yes, it really has, but it also is a lot different than I ever could have expected. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about about your mental health and how that sort of impacted your journey to motherhood? Yeah. I mean, I was, I have struggled with my mental health my entire life. Like I have been medicated since I was seven years old. I have been hospitalized for my mental health throughout middle school and high school. By the time I got to college, it had improved enough and I had like enough skills that I was like able to kind of make it through. But even college was College is rough for everybody. There are not enough resources in college. (laughs) No. And UVM is guilty of really, really not having enough resources in terms Mm. of like mental health. Um, So I definitely felt like I was like, and also just that it's like a public university. I I definitely felt like I was like slipping through the cracks all the time. Like no one was really ever looking out for me. Not that anyone has to, but just that like there were times I was like reaching out and like no one was coming to my aid. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. So. And then also just like, I'm a person with extreme anxiety around everything. So that's been something that has also like grown. So like my depression has sort of like stayed stagnant since I was seven. Okay. My anxiety has like slowly increased. And right before I got pregnant, I was just like, this is never going to work. And I, I became like so depressed that I lost like 40 pounds And I was like, so anxious that I like couldn't eat because I was just like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get pregnant. And we had had some like light fertility issues. I will not say that we like experienced infertility. That was not really our journey, but Mm -hmm. we did like have a few months where I started to track my cycles and I was like, I don't think I'm ovulating. And so I went just like to the PCP and we figured that out pretty quickly. And then right away we got pregnant and I don't know. I think I just being a person who has mental illness or like mental health struggles before getting pregnant, you're so aware of that. You're like, oh my gosh, like that postpartum period, like I'm going to set myself up for success. I'm going to do all these things and blah, blah, blah. And then it's still, 
it's just awful. It still just sucks. It's still yeah. so hard, no matter how like how many. And I think for other people who like don't experience mental health struggles, they when they set up those things for themselves, they work. Mm. But for me, they just nothing worked. Like the medication that I had been taking before didn't work anymore. Mm. And then like all these new struggles that I had never thought about then added to this, like the level of anxiety and depression that I was feeling that I just like had no way to predict. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm like making sense, but you are absolutely making sense. It's very, very interesting. The parallels between what you're saying and what I experienced. So like, I'm, I'm definitely connecting with you right now. Like I know, I know exactly same thing. Tried to set myself up and tried to prepare myself and was blindsided. Yeah. And even my husband was like blindsided by it. And I think it affected his mental health because I think he was so concerned for me and concerned for Ira that he was like not kind to me in Mm. my first couple of months. Like it was always sort of this like, and like bless his heart, he was really trying, but it was just, and, and I can say that now in the moment I was like, you're the worst person alive get out of my house. Like you're not helping. Mm -hmm. But now I can look back and like, he just would be like, you can't act like that. You're a mom now. Or like, you know, and I'd be like, I am (laughs) doing the best that I can. And also my brain is overrun with hormones. Like I literally don't have control. I'm just a passenger. And I was like trying to, and I would even say to him, like what you're saying to me, like the things that you're alluding to, the things that you're saying to me, are going to traumatize me. Like these things, I know that they're going to last. They're going to like have lasting damage. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And like, I, I'm so blindsided by how hard this is for you. Like, I didn't expect it to be this bad. And like, that's horrible. Yeah. He does not get a pass for saying those things. I think it speaks to like how shocked we both were that it was as bad as it was that I was like, the day we got home from the hospital, we had gotten Indian food, like my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like trying to nurse and I was having a really hard time. And he was like born two weeks early. So, <laughs> so he was like not latching and I was like struggling. And then I went to go take a bite of this food that was like in front of me on the table and it slipped off the table onto the floor oh, and it man. spilled everywhere. And even now I'm going to cry about it. It's literally Indian food. I just felt like so overwhelmed and so like lonely in my feelings. He was three days old at this point. So I was like, I was just like, it was too much. Yeah. And then when I did that, I like immediately, I like gave Ira, I like unlatched him and gave him to my mom. And I stood up and I like went and I sat in the bedroom and I just like cried. And my husband came in and he was like, you need to pull it together. (gasps) (laughs) And I was like, this is like how this is going to go. And I, I mean, I was like stunned by that, but also like now looking back, like I can so see how confused we both were, how like actually not well prepared we both were. Like it was such a shock. Had he ever experienced, I mean, does he have any experience with mental health struggles or anything? Um, He does. He struggled with, I would say like some combination of like untreated ADHD and depression throughout his high school and college years. So it's definitely not, um, and it was something we had talked about, like 
ad nauseum when we were in college. Like, yeah. you know, your shared mental health struggles, the things yeah. that you like bond over. <laughs> Hopefully not like, you know, trauma bond over, but you know, <laughs> you do what you can. Well, yeah, um, it just, it just surprises me, I guess, that, that he wouldn't recognize in that moment that you were in such a place of darkness. Yeah. And, and if you knew him, like you would be even more shocked. Like, wow. It was, it felt like so out of the blue. It felt so, I, like, I was even blindsided by his behavior. Like, I was blind, yeah. by, blindsided by the hormones and the feelings and the like, maybe I actually don't want this little being in my house all the time. And I don't know what I'm going to do for the next 18 years. This is like such a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. finally are like hit with this reality where you're like, oh my God, I just did this thing that's so permanent. And that feels weird because you want that thing that's so personal. Like those whole nine months leading up to it, you're like, oh, this thing that's so permanent. Like this is the like first day of the rest of my life. And then you come home and you're like, oh my God, I can't do this. But then also to have your husband be like, what do you mean you can't do this? You have to do it. You're not doing it right. Oh <laughs> like, my God. So, I mean, it was so bad. And I think actually that, I don't know if I've said this, but being a person who had mental health struggles, I think made it unclear whether or not the mental health struggles that I was experiencing after Ira was born were related to my like prior mental health struggles or were like just related to postpartum. Mm. So it like gave the people around me like a shorter fuse, like it made them like less trustworthy of me because like I had already shown that I was ill before ever having a baby right so they expected you to be like girl you know this you've done this like yeah get right like yeah that's kind of what you're saying yeah they were like and also they were they just like didn't have patience for it they were like yeah come on you knew what to expect so why are you like having this struggle and also like how what do you mean this is just hormones you've always been like this you can't just blame it on the hormones yeah yeah and it's so different it's so it's much so different. different. Like, mm -hmm. I've never felt anything like it. And the low that you get to, if you feel that low, is such a different low. Mm -hmm. It's like the lowest I had ever been. This was like somehow far below that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like so traumatizingly low. And I was sitting there being like, I can't fix this. I need help. And everyone was like, oh, my God, like get it together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, um, I am so sorry. Yeah, I mean, but, thank you. Well, it's, I mean, I am though, because that's sort of the point of this whole thing. There are so many people who are going through exactly what you're describing right now. And they either have people being like, get it together, or they have nobody. Yeah. They're, they're just sitting in it alone. Yeah. And, and like, it is absolutely, like you said, like lower than the lowest you've ever been in your entire life. Yeah. You don't think that you could get any lower. You feel like you've gone crazy because yeah. you're like, what is this? Yeah. And there was a piece of it too, for me, where my husband is so like even keeled and so like focused and gentle and kind that like when I was telling my mom, oh, this is how he's treating me. I really need help. I like, I need someone to like intervene for us. My mom was like, that really doesn't sound like Carter. Like, are you sure you're reading the situation right? Oh, And man. then I was like, I am so alone. I would not, I, I mean, 
maybe this is a good plug for this podcast. I would not have survived without my therapist and my psychiatrist. I would not have survived. Yeah. If I didn't have like some third party who was like, I believe you, mm-hmm. I, I would not have survived. I would have just like spiraled out of control because I was so alone and I don't have any friends around. And it was like before I had like ventured out into, you know, kinder music and all the fun things. And so I was just like alone in my house, rewatching old episodes of Grey's Anatomy, being told that I'm crazy and unfit. Like it was just so like, yeah, I mean, it was traumatizing. I really don't, there's not really a better word for it. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. When you when we were messaging each other, you used the word isolating. You were so isolated. And that is a word that is used so often in this situation. And whether it's perceived isolation or or actual isolation, you you just you feel like you're alone in this. And that yeah. is, I think, I think that's the most dangerous part of this whole thing because yeah. you feel like there's no one to to pull you out. Yeah. And, and then I felt even more lonely. I thought like, oh, I'll turn to social media and someone will get it. But then you go to social media and people are like, I fell so much more in love with my husband after our baby was born. And I was like, okay, well that's scroll next. And then the next person's like, oh, these are the ways that you handle visitors after birth. And I was like, oh, other people's like families are visiting them after they gave birth. I didn't really have that experience. Like... (laughs) I was by myself. I'm like, oh, how to navigate, you know, people coming to the hospital. I was like, no one came to see us at the hospital. Mm. My grandmother did and my mom and my dad, but like any number of friends that I had or any, like, no. And then Mm. people would come over and that was a whole thing too, because then I felt like I was like lying to people. They would come over and be like, oh, and like, I'm 25. So my friends like don't know the like etiquette of coming over to a person who's just given a, (laughs) had given birth, you know? So they didn't come over and like do my dishes. They came over and like wanted to hold my son. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't let you hold him. Or I would let them hold him. And then I would like be like, oh, I'll be right back. And I would go cry in the bathroom because like every Mm -hmm. second that he was away from me felt like just the worst thing ever. But I didn't want them to think that I like wasn't well. Or that I like couldn't handle it, even though I right. couldn't handle it. Like, right. It was just, yeah, like every new piece of information that was given to me, like every new thing that would happen was just like added to the just overwhelm and like the inability to cope. And it felt so lonely because then like my best friends in the world would come over and meet my son. And I was like, I feel so great. This is the best. But you didn't. <laughs> but I didn't. I no. felt so, so bad. Like, yeah. So overwhelmingly bad. Yeah. Ugh. It sounds like, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, though. It sounds like it did not affect your ability to bond with Ira, though. It didn't. The thing, the only thing that really affected my bond with Ira was my breastfeeding situation, which mm-hmm. was a whole, <laughs> there's like, truly, I could literally talk directly at you uninterrupted for over an hour and it still would not be enough time. <laughs> I it was just like issue after issue after issue after problem after and I look back and there are a lot of things that now I'm like frustrated that weren't offered to me. Mm. But mostly it was just like three months of like pain and bleeding and pumping oh, every three hours through the night and like and also my husband works overnights. So then like, 
the very first time I was left alone with my son, he was six days old. Oh my God. And I was like, not well. No. No. So yeah, I mean, it was just, it was so, it was so bad, but you're right. I, I got really lucky in terms of my bond with him. I got really lucky that I, even after everything and like during everything was able to like maintain some kind of focus. And I say, I, I say it a lot all the time now, the easiest part of my life is Ira. All the other things, all the hormones, all the like issues with my relationship, all the like, you know, mistrust with doctors and all the things, all of that maybe like exists because Ira exists, mm. but he is the easiest, simplest, best part of my life. I, every day I wake up and I'm like, that, like, how did I somehow get lucky enough to have the best baby that I've ever met? Like, <laughs> which obviously everybody thinks that, but like, that's, you know. Like, no, but I, I absolutely get it. I feel, I feel the exact same way about my kiddos. And it's like magic. Yeah. Um, and I want, I want to be, be totally clear and transparent for listeners. It's okay if you don't feel that way. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I, I I did not feel that way with my first when she was a baby and it's yeah. okay. It's okay. But thank goodness that within all of that trauma and all of that struggle, you had Ira and you could look at Ira and you could ground yourself in him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, thank goodness. That is like truly a saving grace. I don't, I was never in a place mentally or emotionally where I thought that like he was in danger Mm -hmm. with me, but probably part of that is because of our bond. Like, (sighs) I think if we hadn't had such a strong bond, I may have felt a lot more overwhelmed by his presence. Do you Mm -hmm. know? Like, yeah, yeah, I think it would have felt a lot more negative and a lot more scary, but I got really lucky. And I will say too, like in terms of like other listeners, you know, like if you don't connect with your baby right away, I have a really strong bond with my son, but I also still feel a lot of disconnect from him. And I think that those things can exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. So even if you're feeling like, I still can't believe this is real. I still like, when I look at him, I don't like, it doesn't feel like he's my son or whatever. I still feel those feelings, but yeah. I can also say that like, I feel like a really innate bond with him. So both can be true. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not bonding with your son or your child if it also feels really surreal. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. So you were talking about, and I don't, you don't have to talk about this more if you don't want to. I remember one of our first kinder music classes together and you asking us if it was okay to feed Ira, bottle feed Ira, if we were okay with that. And I instantly had this, like, I wanted to like reach out and hug you because I was like, oh my God, I, I know exactly what she's feeling right now. I also struggled to breastfeed and I felt so guilty about that. And so when I was in a public setting, I felt like I had to like, I had to like justify what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, like, I didn't know you at all. And I was like, girl, you don't need to ask. Like, it is so, feed your baby. Just feed your baby. Yeah. That was, I mean, it's sort of, 
like one of those things too, right? Where like, even when people would like come to me positively and be like, you know, fed is best, blah, blah, blah. Then I kind of, because I was in such a dark place and I was struggling so much still, I really struggled up until it was like six months old. I'm only now starting to feel better. So yeah, like even then I was struggling so much and I was like feeling so dark that when people would say like, oh, fed is best. I'd be like, obviously I'm going to feed my child. You think I'm not going to feed my child? Like then it started, like everything became negative. Like yeah. I, that, that wasn't even helpful anymore. So I would like, it's okay that you didn't give me a hug because I probably wouldn't have been able to take it anyway. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Well, I just, I was like, I'm not going to be weird. I don't know this person. Um, but I just, I, I really felt for you in that moment that you felt like you had to ask. And yeah, luckily the group of, we had a really great group of moms. Yeah. We really yeah. did. We yeah. out. And we're all still connected and it's pretty cool. It sucks. I can't get together right now over the summer, but. Um, we'll figure it out. Don't worry oh, about we'll that. Oh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so even you saying that like, up until six months, you were still in this really dark place. It's so interesting to me that with all the research that I've done, obviously I am not a mental health professional. I am not a doctor, but every, everything that I read talks about this like magic six month mark. And I don't know what it is about the six month mark. I guess your hormones are, are starting to regulate again. And like, I don't know. You're just kind of getting back to baseline. I also like to tell a lot of parents, if you're not there by the six month mark, it's okay. That's my, I was not there by the six month mark and that's okay. But like when you talk about like, you're starting to sort of feel a little better, what does that look like for you? What is, what differences are you noticing? I think for me, it's a huge decrease in just like day-to-day anxiety. I was really struggling. I mean, every single day for like the first six months of his life, I was just like feeling like my heart would race all day long. And I would Mm -hmm. feel like it's almost what like your body is like going faster than your brain. So your brain always feels like it's in slow motion. So like I was forgetting things and I felt really like just like lonely. And I would go to kinder music and I would just feel like such an outsider. And I feel so embarrassed Mm -hmm. to just like even be in public. Like that was a huge thing that I felt so embarrassed all the time, like inexplicably, like there was nothing about what I was wearing or what I was doing. I just felt like embarrassed to be in public. And I think a lot of that was just like really extreme anxiety. Like I just felt so, and the anxiety started to like seep into all areas of my life. Like I would start like into these thought spirals where I'd be like, okay, I just had this argument with my husband. Like, can I do this for the rest of my life? Like, are we going to be able to be married forever? Like blah, blah, blah. And I never had felt that way before. So like, Mm -hmm. I was like, where is this coming from? Like, what am I? And it would like color all these, like negatively color all these other experiences that I had had. Like I would make memories, like it would change my memories into something Mm. dark. And so now a lot of that has lifted. I like found a medication that really works for me and like therapy is more regular. And I'm also just feeling, I think a little bit more like grounded I like have worked really hard to kind of be able to like, even if I don't feel connected to the moment to at least try to be in it. Yeah. Like, even if I'm like this, nothing feels real right now. Like I'm, I'm not going to go on my phone and doom scroll. I'm going to like sit down and like lay on the ground next to Ira. And we're going to try to figure out like this game we're going to like play, you know, or like 
we're going to work really hard on crawling today so that I can like, at least feel like I'm in this moment. Um, and also just like really having those like really, really like uncomfortable conversations with my husband, like those really like long locked in the bedroom. Let's figure this out. Like say what you got to say. And I'm going to say my thing too. And like, we're going to figure this out. Those types of conversations. And I'm lucky because not everybody has a partner who can hear those things. Mm -hmm. But So I want to also say that, like, if your partner is not listening to you, if your partner says those nasty things to you, problem. But if they also don't listen to you and you tell them that it's a problem, that's an even bigger problem. Yeah. That's the real problem. The inability to change or, like, reflect, that's the real problem. That's the real toxicity. Mm -hmm. um, but my husband was luckily, like, very took a few times, took a few weeks, took a few, um, <laughs> conversations and not just conversations with me, like conversations with me and my therapist, which my therapist was really lovely to have those conversations and conversations with me and my mom who had a realization when Ira was four months old, that like the way that she didn't listen to me and believe me in high school was the same way that she wasn't listening to me and believing me now. Yeah. Um, so having those kinds of like realizations with my family and having people like start to kind of understand what was going on and like see the reality. Yeah. All of those things I think sort of helped me regain focus and like, and also just like having a partner who isn't always making you feel like you're an unfit mom. Yeah. Really does change things as it turns <laughs> out. Jeez. Imagine I'm, that. Who would have thought? But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Finally he was like, oh. I'm the problem. And it's like, me. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> We're both the problem, but I'm glad that you also believe that you're part of it. So cool. <laughs> so has has your relationship sort of evolved in a positive way through this experience? Yes. Yes. I can't even, I will never say I love my husband so much more now that we have children. I would, mm. I would never say that because I just don't think it's useful. I don't mm -hmm. think it's useful for other people to hear. And I don't think it's really true. But I I will say I know my husband so much more now. I know him on such a deeper level. Like I know how his brain thinks in a much different way than I did before. And that is just helpful in a relationship, period. Like it's helpful to know your partner's love language. It's helpful to know your partner's, you know, favorite foods. But it's also helpful to like know how your partner reacts to different things. Like even just like temperature or light, you know, like yeah. how, how is my partner going to respond to this and how can I help like mitigate the problems that he's feeling so then he can mitigate the problems that I'm feeling. Our relationship has evolved so much. And, and now I feel like even when I'm anxious, when I'm like, oh, can I do this forever? There's some like little voice inside me that's like, you want to, you've put this much effort in and he's changed for you and you've changed for him not in huge ways, but in ways that make our life easier for each other mm -hmm. and sustainable changes, right? Like I'm not a completely different person now just because <laughs> he needed that. Because um, I don't want to say like change for your partner. You shouldn't do that. But you, sh you know, we accommodate well, you change, for our partners. You change together. You right, evolve exactly. together. And accommodating for your partner is not a bad thing. Like accommodating for your partner's, you know, sensory needs or whatever. Because I have some sensory issues. That is something that makes me feel more in love with him, I think. The willingness to accommodate for me mm -hmm. now and to see him shift from being like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you act better? To being like, 
let me take Ira out of the house and you can like do the dishes in silence and listen to your book on tape, <laughs> like your uh, audiobook. And then yes. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Because even like the little things early on, I would be like, can you take Ira? And he'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, you love him. He's your son. Why are you acting like it's a chore? Yeah. And then finally we had those conversations where I was like telling him all these things and he'd be like, oh my God, I didn't realize that that's how that was making you feel. Which is so silly too. Like I shouldn't have to explain to you, you're an adult, but <laughs> that's a whole other thing. That's another can Which of is worms. why we all have therapists. That's yes. like, can't do it all by ourselves. No. Yeah. No. But it is something that I've learned is that parenting with your partner will introduce you to a completely new experience of them. Like the way yeah. that you experience your partner through parenting is you just, you won't get that through anything else. No. Yeah. And people are like, oh, well, you should get a pet with your, it's not the same. It's not the it's same. It's not the same. I love pets. pet parents. I love pet parents. We had pets. Fur babies are babies, but there are situations that you will find yourselves in and decisions that you need to make as parents that you just, you would never, you would never have those experiences otherwise. And you really get to know your partner and, and have to sort of figure out your teaming structure in a yeah. way that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. And I think also you're able to like hide your true self from your partner forever with no kids. Like. Mm. Not that you want to, but there are like parts of yourself that you always can kind of keep guarded if you don't have kids. And then the second you have kids, like you are like splayed open. Like you have no control over what like the true honest version of yourself comes out, yep. you know? And so that I think was hard too, because it's like, oh, this is a weird word to use for this, but I hope you'll get it. <laughs> it's almost like cringy to like switch into that role I almost was like I don't know if I want to see this much of this person like I don't want I don't and then and then also it's like negative so also I was like just feeling like god I wish that I wasn't alive I wish I wasn't like feeling anything mm. and then finally it comes to the other side and you're like actually this is good this is nice I like this new softer version of you that I'm seeing or like I like that there's some hidden version of you that wants to like oink, oink, oink on the baby all the time. Like, <laughs> like he's always wants to like snort, do these weird things. I'm like, I didn't know that that was the kind of dad that you were going to be, but actually I love it. It's like very silly and fun, which we need in this house. We need some silliness. <laughs> silly and fun are a must. Yeah. Yeah. The only way I'm surviving right now is silliness. Oh my God. Oh my like, God. <laughs> just got to laugh. Yeah. You have to, or you're going to cry. <laughs> Listening to your story and listening to all of the things that you've been talking about also emphasizes to me how much being a birthing person sort of connects you to other birthing people across so many different like demographics and different like you are 10 years younger than me. And I and it doesn't I feel like I'm talking to like a sister. Like, yeah. I feel like I, not a little sister. Like, I feel like I'm talking to, I, I feel you and I understand you and I get you and I connect with you. And I feel like going through this experience, especially, um, enduring mental health struggles sort of puts you in this 
club that none of us want to be in, but it connects us on such a level where age doesn't matter, gender doesn't matter, race doesn't matter. We feel each other. I mean, it's just crazy to me. And I have that experience over and over again where I'm like shocked by how easy it is to just like have a long conversation with someone I've never met before because they've given birth and so have I. Like even like I have met like a few queer couples and they're like, you know, these women are like, my wife is so amazing. She's a woman even, but she does not get it. She's my partner who has not given birth and mm-hmm. she doesn't get it. So yeah. it really is just like the experience of, because a lot of people will try to tell you that it's the experience of being a woman, but that's not what it is. No. Nope. It's the experience of giving birth and feeling those hormones. Like mm-hmm. there truly is nothing like it. And it changes your brain in such a profound way that it almost feels like the only people you can relate to after that are people who have given birth. It's like, yeah, I go to hang out with my friends from college and I just feel like, I was telling my mom this recently. I just feel like an ogre almost. Like I'm just like feel so like different and like loose. And I'm like, oh, look at you and your tight little body, your tight little pre-pregnancy body. Like, oh God. Must be nice. I don't know what that's like. Like I I'm can't even. Yeah, yeah. That like, that is a can of worms that that is very, even, yeah. very hard. Yeah. And I also am like struggling too. I don't know, like I had because I was like. I have like ADD and it was obviously unmedicated through my pregnancy, which was fine because I was like, so like just riding the high of pregnancy. But then (laughs) after I was like, so just like lacking dopamine. Yeah. And so then I like fell into this like cycle of binge eating. And then like, I only gained like 40 pounds, not only, I mean, obviously that's a lot of weight, but I wasn't like stressed out about it. I gained like 40 pounds in pregnancy. And then after pregnancy, I gained 30 more pounds. Yeah. 30 more in the first four months. And I was like, what? This is not how this is supposed to go. Meanwhile, everyone's like, oh, I've lost. I'm back to my pre-pregnancy weight at four months. And I'm like, it'll be a few years before she's back. I mean, if ever. Well, and that's the thing. That's there's there's that there's that pressure and it's and that expectation to get back to get back to who you were and what you were before you had a baby. You're not that person anymore. No, yeah. And I and can, I, I can say that to you and I can't believe it about myself. But, but right? Yeah. I know. You're like and you know it to be the case, but st- and you know it to be the case even when you're pregnant. You're like, I'm not the same person anymore. Like mm-hmm. the very first time you get pregnant, you're like, even if it doesn't end in the joy of a baby, the very first time you get pregnant, you know, like there's something different about you now. Mm-hmm. And still, it's so surreal. It's still like, no, but uh, but she's coming back. She, uh, yeah. she'll be back. Yeah, but she's not coming back. No, she's never coming back. My my partner has to remind me of that all the time. Chelsea, you are not that person anymore. You are not, stop trying to get back to that person. You are not that person anymore. And that's okay. It's It's actually sort of this like beautiful, like anti-anxiety thing in some ways. It's like, no, like part of, I think my struggle was like this struggle of comparison. It doesn't, I don't look like this or I don't feel like this or blah, blah, blah. And to be like, actually, that's just not my life. Like I'm mm. just, I'm a, like every new decision that I make has led me to this life. And I actually like can't make a different decision to make it different now. Like can't go back and remake those ones. Yeah. So this is just, I'm just a new person now. And in a lot of ways, I think that that's like really healing, like hearing that, like, you're, yeah, you're not the same person. You never will be. And also like the person you are now, maybe isn't a decision that you made, but it's like because of a series of decisions that you made. So it's like, 
whatever, in every moment you thought you were doing the right thing, that's what led you to right now. So even if right now you don't feel like you're doing the right thing, like past you had to have known something. Yeah. Past you had to have known what you were working towards or what you were like. And also like, I don't know, maybe a separate thing also is that you don't have an obligation to your past self. Like the person you wake up as every morning is the only person that you have an obligation to. Like today I'm going to make sure that I don't die. And that's all I can do. I love that. I I love that. I love that. (laughs) No, I really do. Because I think I needed to hear that. Thank you for saying that. Like, yeah, absolutely. You wake up every day and that's the only person you have an obligation to. And some days you just make it from the bed to the couch and then from the couch to the bed and that's okay. And some days you take your kid to kinder music and you get groceries and you do all the things and that's okay too. And both are equally as valid and important and you're doing the best you can. Yeah. And both are two separate people. So they can't even be compared. Like what you can do on a Tuesday is not the same as what you can do on a Wednesday. And that's just life. Yeah. Oh my God. I needed that. (laughs) Well, maybe I'm just like giving myself permission to like be the mess that I am right now. But my comparison is the thief of joy. That's what my mom has always said to me. And uh, not that she made it up. I know that she didn't make it up. I don't want to make it sound for you listening at home. I know my mother didn't make quote, it Quote, my mom, end quote. <laughs> Lisa, thank you. No, but but it's true. And I think especially in these times when you're doing something that a lot of other people do, like you're doing something that you see a lot of online and that you see a lot of in real life, it's so much easier to compare these moments. Like, you know, when you get engaged, when you get married, when you have your baby, like when you buy a house, Right it really is the thief of joy. Cause when I look around and I'm like, okay, my apartment is 550 square feet and like we are <laughs> squished <laughs> and, um, we are not going to buy a house anytime soon. And, you know, I didn't have a big wedding cause we got married during COVID and blah, blah, blah. During those moments, especially like I have to tell myself, like when I actually look around, I love this life. Mm-hmm. I love the years that I've put into this life and that I put into my relationship and uh, to my child. Like, those are all actually beautiful and just hard to, it's hard to see the bigger picture sometimes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is especially hard for people like us with anxiety because you're constantly either thinking 10 years ahead or of every moment from your past. It's very, very hard <laughs> yes. to stay present. Yes. So yeah. And I think that it's beautiful that you're able to do that and you're starting to be able to do that more. Yeah. I mean. We're trying. It definitely, I also will say, like, in terms of that magic six months, I will say that also I still have really bad days. Yeah. Like, one out of every, maybe two even out of every seven days are exactly the same as they they were three months ago. Still Mm -hmm. just as bad and just as scary and just as overwhelming. But it's like having more good days than bad days now is what makes me feel like I'm like, oh, I can breathe. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. And I heard you talk about it earlier, but what do you think are the biggest contributors to you finally being able to breathe a little bit? Therapy, medication. I have a therapist who's like specifically trained in like postnatal, perinatal therapy. So that. That's so good. Yeah. Who like was like, hey, it sounds like your husband actually has postpartum depression. Someone who literally was like, it's actually not just you. Yeah. Um, 
and who had the tools to like be able to say that to me and to know what to do moving forward. And then medication. I didn't want that to be my journey. I was medicated before, but I kind of thought like, oh, I'm going to like be this, you know, blah, blah, blah. No. Medication saved my life. I have Mm. no qualms about saying that. 100%. Also having really hard conversations with my husband and like really straightforward conversations. Like if this is how it's going to be forever, then I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So those things. And then also genuinely like kinder music, like getting myself out of the house. I also like joined a yoga class. That was really important for me. Yeah. Just like fighting my embarrassment, fighting my like toxic shame and just being like, Today, I can go to the grocery store, even though I don't feel cute and I feel stupid and I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm still going to just get out of the house. And even just getting out of the house and not getting out of the car, like in the very early days, like just going through the Starbucks drive through was like a huge win for me. And like letting those things be wins, even if it feels a little bit stupid. Like today I wrote in my journal. I got like a whole 15 minutes to just like write my thoughts. And that's like a huge win. Like simple things. I mean, it's not the things you'd expect. And also just to be really frank, this is like the worst case, like the worst news. This is like what I didn't want to hear when I was going through it. But like time. Yeah. It was the time of being less hormonal and the time of being more separated and the time of like, you know, it took, cause I didn't stop breastfeeding until it was four months postpartum. So then like, it took me three months to sort of like come down from that hormonal shift and like, you know time. Yeah. It's not the, it's not what you want to hear. It's not what you want to hear at all. But, but I, but sort of like I had this thought and I was right that I was like, if I can just make it to the next day, if I can just get through to the next day, then it will be a little bit better the next day. And sometimes it's a little bit worse, you know, but I'm like, I don't think about yesterday. I only think about tomorrow. Tomorrow might be a little bit worse than today, but the next day might be a little bit better than that. Mm-hmm. So like, even if three days from now, it's not as good as it is right now, at least there was like some time in the in-between where it was like, you know, like there was, there was some time right now where it's good. And yeah. so it's and okay. S- and sticking around for those good times. Yeah. Cause they do come. That's the other thing. There was like so much heartache and so much issue. And then there was also so much beauty. Like there mm-hmm. were times when we really did have fun and when we really were like so happy. And I was really like, felt connected with myself and with my family and yeah, just sticking around. Definitely. Yeah. Well, what I ask everyone is if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing to get you through the challenges of those early days, just one thing, what would you tell yourself? I don't know. This is like making me emotional. I think I would tell myself, um, I don't know, a lot of the things that I've already said, maybe, like, you have no obligation to your former self, like, that's not you anymore. And then also just like, I love you. I love you even when it's not cute. And when you're like, suffering, and when you feel really alone, and like, when you feel like your husband doesn't love you, even though he does. I I wish I had... I don't feel regret about this because I was struggling, yeah. but, but I wish I had been kinder to myself. I wish like in the midst of everyone else being hard on me, I wish I could have been like a little bit more grounded in my own reality that I was doing as best as I could. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of things. I mean, that's one, that's three things maybe, but I know it's it's hard to pick just one thing, but but that's the first time I've heard someone say to that you would tell yourself that you love yourself and and I I think that that is so profound because you need that. You need that from yourself. Yeah. And you yeah. don't have it. No. Like in the moments where you need all that self-confidence and all the like knowledge you've built up, like you have nothing. You're like no thoughts, head empty. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing but shame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like that is a beautiful way to wrap this up. And yeah. I just I I thank you so much for sharing your story. I connected with your story very deeply and I Good. know that there will be others that will connect with it as well. Yeah, just thank you and and enjoy that little man of yours because he's adorable. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I hope that this wasn't just like word vomit catharsis and was actually like usable. But Oh my gosh. Nope. It's absolutely usable and it's going to be great. And Good. I can't wait for people to hear it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really, I really enjoyed this. It, it's good. It's like a good way to connect and feel like heard. So it's exactly yeah. what we're here for. Yeah. Thank you again so much to Lilac for sharing her story and for being so brave along the way. If you want to follow along with us on Quiet Connection, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at Quiet Connection or at Quiet Connection Podcast. A great way to show your support for our community is to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing our episodes through social media. You could also consider becoming a Patreon member and gain access to bonus content, ad-free listening, and goodies in the mail once a month. And if you'd like to share your personal journey, you can reach us through our website, quietconnectionpodcast.com, or by email at quietconnectionppmh at gmail.com. Join us next time where another story is told and you realize you are not alone. I see you.